0: I'm Hi, everybody, and welcome to Out of Formation. I'm your host, Mudden, and with me are Dylar, Last Spartacus, Virgigorm, and Watts. Go around and introduce yourself, guys. Uh,
1: hi, this is Dilar. Uh, I play Cricks. Hi, this is Last Spartacus. I play Mercs, Scorn, and Cricks.
2: This is Steven, also known as Virgigorm, on the Privateer Press forums. I play uh, Mercs, as you can, if you remember, I've posted a couple threads on them. And I enjoy them, but I also play a bunch of other factions when I get my hands on them, basically, anytime I get to play.
3: And this is What's, uh, it's uh, What's 82 on the forums. I play Signar and Kador, and uh, on Vassal I play pretty much everything.
0: But yes, we mostly dabble. I mean, I'm mainly a Signar and Vinter loyalist, but I dabble with everything. You'll see me playing for anything from Scorn to Harby on any day on Vassal. But we're here Get with a out. very special first episode of Out of Formation. Because having seen the cards for the new East Severius and Harbinger, they have lost rebuke.
4: The war is won, gentlemen. Woohoo! Well, yeah, and good riddance, too. I mean... I'd, it's not completely gone either. Remember, it's still on Epic Striker, so you know a focus strap caster gets to maybe cast it once in a game, which is completely
1: fine with me. I'd like to dedicate this moment to all my dead threads who made this possible. After all of that anti-rebuke sentiment that has been
0: stirred up by members of this podcast. But really, I mean, I think that it's going to hurt e a lot, because right now, he really has nothing going for him, other than spamming influence, and maybe going for an awareness Reckoner Rush from a far away. I mean, Harbinger didn't even need rebuke; bu- she was nuts enough without it, but Esevi, he doesn't really do anything now.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, if you recall, I was arguing from the beginning that if it went away, it needs to be made an upkeep, and definitely e needs to get something else. I'm a uh, I'm a little disappointed about it right now. And, you know, as far as I'm understood, too, you know,
4: I knew it needed to go away, but, you know, every time you say, oh, yeah, Rebuke needs to go away because it's overpowered, the immediate response is, well, well, what are you going to replace it with? Give give us Crippling Grasp. Give us this. Give us that. And really the only caster that really needed something else was E-Savage just because, you know, you take away Rebuke and then he doesn't have a purpose to it anymore. I mean... Influence spam is nice and all. I mean, you can still just, like, hose the bears, hose shield wall units, hose whatever you want. But, you know, you can only do it so effectively at a certain point that, you know, all your opponent does is just run jacks at you and you lose. And influence requires three rolls. You have to hit them with the original
0: spell, then they have to hit their buddy, and then they have to kill their buddy. It's effective, I guess. I mean, I've killed Butcher by influence-spamming a Dracoon that was standing right next to him into killing him, but it's It's not really a game-winner. Yeah, I mean, it's one focus, and it's often a good use of that one focus, but it's not game-changing. Agreed. so, Honestly, I think he really needs something now, since there was already no reason to take blessing of vengeance. What with do him. you
1: What do you think about uh? What about Harbinger? But I mean, right Harvey's now, it's okay. Fine. Spam I influence would win in the the games enemy already without so casting to stand and, and my opponents kill would them. shit themselves because they were worried that
0: I'd stop their units from doing ever, anything. She's she's crazy as it is. Crusaders Call is awesome. Purification is awesome. Ten focus is amazing. She's a great caster that didn't even need rebuke. I admit that it's kind of sad that I'm not going to be running a guardian with her anymore, but it means I can run another reckoner.
1: Yay! So you think she's okay with just you know? We're going to have some people saying, "Oh well, she's focused 10. She only has four spells. Let's make uh, let's make that five-inch AOE of hers arcable." But no, no, people are going to say, "No, no,
4: <laughs> give her a spell that lets her use her feet every turn." But the funny thing about this all is that now that now that stuff is actually on cards, none of it matters. I mean, before the cards came out, sure there was still a modicum of speculation, but now it's printed. We're done.
1: Yeah, and uh, I, I feel I do feel like gloating over everyone who said, you know, stop arguing. It's final. Nothing's going to change. Lock thread. But uh, I mean, I still like playing Menoth, and I'm uh, I'm I'm decently happy with them now. Yeah, they got a ton of denial stuff, but at least rebuke took away the cherry on top when it went away the nice thing about rebuke is that there's now a reason to run casters other than
0: Harbians. and e now i think you're going to see a lot more p a lot more Efiora, perhaps even more uh, testament instead of those two you know, i don't even think e competitive anymore sadly
1: yeah um, that'll take some testing but uh he does seem to be lacking something
0: Okay, any other final thoughts on this rebuke until we move on to the meat of this podcast, the Horde's Field Test?
1: As to my last take on it, uh, fare thee well, and you will not be missed.
0: (laughs) Okay, now on to the meat of this one. We actually did want to talk about something other than cheering over the rebuke nerf. About the Hordes Field test, despite what others will say. Mostly just doing a general overview of the factions, little talks, since we've still got, what, two weeks left in it, so we can still yell at Pete, or Press, please nerf rebuke, I mean the uh, Thumper. <laughs> but just starting there, let's talk trolls. Mostly the Thumper. Do you think it's fine? And if not,
4: what changes need to be made? The only problem I really see with the Thumper is that, you know, it's rather cheap for what it does. It's an auto-slam instead of a crit-slam like the uh, field gun is. You know, field gun, you have to rely on a crit effect, and I never take anything to rely on a crit effect, so that kind of makes it a wash. But then it's just knocking down large-base heavies left, right, and center, slamming them full distance, so on and so forth. And it just seems like a little bit much. If it could slam, you know, medium and small-base models, it would be more reasonable, I suppose. And it wouldn't make the game
1: quite as silly that way um from trying it i i've i have field tested it and uh it's not so much uh it being broken as all the other artillery just feels really sad with it around all the other artillery is is very much worthless uh compared to it generally compared to it and uh and i know that there's been some suggestions making it only uh slam what was it medium and small bases and uh it's certainly worth playtesting. Uh, as it stands, I've only ever found room for one of them, because trolls. One one thing that keeps you from fielding them, I think, trolls like uh, they like synergy, and it does nothing to, you know, brick up, so to speak. That's just what I think.
0: I think there are three main problems with Thumper as is, and you really just need a small change. I think everybody will be happy with it. The first is its range. It's range 14 in this faction that has easy access to an Animus for snipe. And so let's face it, if you're taking a Thumper, you're also going to take an Impaler, which means that the fact that it can't move and shoot is kind of negligible in the face of an 18-inch threat. The second factor is being Rat 7 when combined with a dude in base-to-base. Letting it hit Defense 14. That means it's slamming Warp Wolves, or Defense 12 in Concealment, or even a Kadoran Jack in Cover. That's a little bit excessive. The last one is being able to slam your own models in the back to get crazy collateral damage. I've been able to use this to effect in the few games I've played it using Creole Warriors. Just slam a cheap dude over a bunch of enemies to get free POW 14s. Really, I think it just needs a small change. One of the best ones I've heard is maybe dropping its rat by one. So you're hitting defense 13, and that's really all you need to do to hit a Helljack. I feel like if you're defense 14, you should be pretty safe from artillery, barring outside buffs, and changing from a slam to a throw directly away with no deviation. Just basically make it how pitch used to be worded. So it just does D6, and you're only going to be hitting the stuff you land on. It's a little bit unfluffy when you compare it to its Big Brother the Commodore, but I believe it's the best thing to do in terms of game terms. So you end up with a Rat 6 throw machine, or even with the throw, I think I'd be satisfied with being Rat 7, because then you're not just slamming indiscriminately and killing lots stuff collateral, you're knocking stuff back, and it's still really useful. The main problem I see with a crit effect is that Trolls have no way, no deadeye, so crit effects are pretty much useless. Nobody takes the field gun as is.
3: Well, I would uh, argue with that. Uh, there's a couple of people who's been trying out field gun, and, you know, it's not stellar, but it's a very solid model. And, you know, the critical knockdown being in Cador with uh, Joe and uh, Epic Arusk, you could uh, generate that critical effect fairly reliably. So I don't think the field gun is that bad.
1: Besides well, the difference perhaps.
4: between the two factions. Because, you know, like he said, in K- in Kador you have access to all these buffs, additional die, you have RS with fire for effect, and so on and so forth. And trolls really don't have that. They have Calandra and... Well, Calandra. They have Grim. Well, never mind. Yeah, but he doesn't give extra dice, he just... Yeah, you're right, you're right. Speaking of Grim, we should probably have a chat about him, too. I don't know if he's actually going to get back into his old prime like he used to. It's kind of like they're just trying to find every way they can to just avoid just giving him his ability to get through stealth. They gave him Mark for Death, which he'll still never use. Trolls don't have any way of arcing it so it'll never get cast. And if Grimm is arcing that spell, he's probably already dead.
1: Yeah, um, I, I don't see... I think someone made a good point. Why is it so hard to let him ignore stealth and possibly see through uh clouds just for that one shot and you know some uh some very short range spells you know what's what's the you know I don't I don't think that breaks the game at all yeah ignoring stealth is a very good ability
3: but on a warcaster with a rate of fire one gun you know it's nothing game breaking
1: at all steven uh virgil sorry i know you had some uh opinions about the the Digmies what did you uh, what do you think about the uh the way they were in the field test and their uh their current change
2: well currently you know it's like the Digmies don't they don't really have a good pop right now which is is a problem I see but previously they um they were they were just broken I'm sorry but if anybody who thinks they were fine they just crawled across the table just they it didn't matter what caster it was, you just kind of walked the pig, digmies over there, and if they're within, what, five inches, you pop up, you can shoot them in the back with Philandra, it's just retarded, it was wrong, it, it doesn't work, but Fuddle was wrong. Um, also, I think the uh, I think the Fellcaller and the Stone Scribe Chronicler, I think anybody who's playing with them, they're realizing that they're... Their SSC, the, the Chronicler, he is pulling far more weight than the Fellcaller. The Fellcaller is nice. He's kind of like a, he's like a, a you know little manhunter, but he also buffs things. But I use him more often as a uh, pseudo manhunter.
1: That's interesting. I've never, you know, I've never uh, thought about using him that way. Uh, the Chronicler definitely is powerful. Like speaking of those two models, the the Chronicler and the uh digmies i thought you know taking such a cheap unit and putting them anywhere you want to and then uh putting that what's whatever that ability is that makes you knock down if you hit them that's that's a really powerful denial they can just swarm anything screw the screw the shooting even yeah hero's tragedy one of the the most uh i don't know strongest
3: uh, support ability out of a command range nigh as
4: far as i see it the is really good but at the same time, he's also fairly easy. He's fairly squishy still, so he's, you know, easily negated. It's not quite like the Men the Nile loop that, you know, hides behind really a heavy jack wall or such. And, you know, you can't touch them. However, you know, you have the fell collar. He's fairly resilient. And what I use him for is what he used to be used for. You know, the mobile, you know, buff for what have you, usually Krill Warriors, usually, you know, Long Riders or whatever, and you toss the buff on them, but now the way it's worded is that the uh, fell Calls aren't their own special action, so you can still use the spray afterwards. And, you know, like you said, you know, the sprays are that awesome that, you know, everybody and their kid brother wants one, and the fell Caller gets to drop his buff and use the spray in the same activation, which is just amazing. Yeah, yeah I forgot the, about the, the spray. Bugs
2: fell collar he is he's, hes an amazing little little piece but you speak of the squishiness of the fell of the, Fel, of the um, stone scribe chronicler and the thing is if you're using him with say um, krill warriors and uh, heroes tragedy the krill warriors with the UA they have such a such a large command range for coherency you can really space things out I mean the leader he can chill up in you know he has an 11 inch to to the other members, you know. Between that, that's like 22 inches that the uh, the stone scribe can hit the unit of krill warriors, which is quite amazing. I mean, the the damn thing just hangs out in the backfield. Nobody's got time to shoot at it when I'm stuffing their face full of trolls. And that's the thing is, like, I've I've bogged down. Um, Death Jack just fed a unit to Death Jack, except for what was feed a unit to Death Jack was Death Jack got knocked down and beat up. By uh, caper welders and calamity, and it was just a terrible mishap for Death Jack. And, and indeed, that's wrong. Um, eight, eight point unit or what, no, nine, nine point unit should not do that to jacks to it casters. I mean, it shouldn't just like bog things down like that. It's wrong, throw it on.
0: Anything and like put on a the unit of burrowers, just get up in their line and hold them up and you can either take free strikes and die, or you can attack them and be knocked down and then die the next turn. It, I just it feels like it's a little bit too powerful against pretty much mostly warjacks. If it was made just changed to a warrior model only, a la Sacrosant, I think it'd be a lot more fine. you see a lot less complaining. But overall, I think he's pretty balanced. That's my only issue with him.
1: My hero
4: doesn't mind. Yeah, but we had t- we determined a long time ago that the hero is the general solution to a lot of
1: problems. I guess that's true. Um, anything else in the trolls that needs discussing? Underpowered, overpowered? Just one last thing: the uh, Fenblades,
0: which my general feel. That's what has I was thinking of. That they're such a bland unit. Two insanely situational special rules that you'll probably never get to use does not make for a good unit. I mean, I guess you can argue they're decent right now. I mean, they're basically Creole Warriors, with which always have one more mat and one more piece of point of pal and reach. But I just want them to really be a good choice. Right now, I just feel like
1: they're just kind of there. You see, I actually, I actually prefer them. Uh, maybe I'm crazy. I actually prefer them generally for some uh, units. Uh, I mean, uh, lists over uh, over the Krills because they have uh, they just have so much more base than the Krills do. You don't have to choose. They have reach, so they have almost as good of a threat range. One higher mat and you know uh, pow twelve. And I, I just think they're really cheap for what they do. I don't even I don't even think about their other abilities because you know who uses cavalry now.
3: Yeah, that's along the same uh, line of thought that I had. As uh, a 4-6 unit with uh, reach and decent power, you know, Snag and Slash doesn't need to exist. It's kind of justified by itself already. The only problem is that in the same bracket, you have Creel Warrior, which is uh, more versatile. I mean, most other faction would be happy to have a 4-6 unit with reach, as the Fenblade is like right now.
2: All right, so um, I'm perfectly fine with the fin blades as is. As long as they just change the name to the Fail Blades, they'll be okay. Because right now, oh, no. as much as I like them, as much as I like <laughs> the guys, <laughs> I have to tell you, the Fin Blades, while they are awesome and they have reach and they are four six, I also end up comparing them to my Steelheads, and they're they're they kind of lose out in that comparison. And I just I know the trolls can't. Buy still, you know they can't use still heads, but I'm just saying it. it kind of sucks that your alternative to krill warriors are still heads. You know, I would like something better out of the the fin blades, and they don't do it. Like the knocking down cavalry bit, you know, you're killing cavalry. Cavalry goes squish. People don't like it. I really don't care. I don't think I'm going to be buying a non-plastic cavalry anytime soon, man. <laughs> you know the thing is the fin blades are just they they don't do anything like set defense they have no role in a like they they just don't do anything they're good in a way but you know they work with certain cat locks they do they really do you know with crusher they're awesome because with crusher that little one inch step you get you know that that's a potential of three inches to catch other infantry you can crush things you know i mean you really did you know you Bye bye bye! I love Impalers with the Trolls. You know, all the lights are good. Everything about the Trolls are good, but there's some things that are broken,
4: and I'm not happy.
1: Uh, when you say broken, I guess you mean underpowered. Uh, I guess to each their own. I, I I like them. I really do. Well, you know, the, when uh... we're talking
4: about stuff that would be uh, considered moderately broken, let's talk about Mulg, particularly Mulg with uh, Epic Doomshaper. Because we've got, you know, Mulg with his standard overtake and reach, and then you add go to the top of that. So basically you get a... every single turn get to, you know, force Mulg after he kills something with his Power 19 to the face, and, you know, just tack an extra three inches onto his move into somebody
3: else. Yeah, not to mention, uh, while aggression is always going to be on Mulg, so you have a very high chance of... uh Smiting something along the way, and you know, there goes your whole infantry.
1: All I can say, all I can say about Mulg, with what limited experience I have with him, uh, all he does is make Mullet Karn very sad. I feel like I'm drinking a uh, light beer compared to Mulg every time I feel feel a Mullet Karn. Now,
4: well, and I still can't
2: get over the ugly uh,
1: sculpture.
4: Too much.
2: Sorry, the what? I,
4: I kind of like the whole walking mountain on Mulg. There, it's a it's a pretty good shape for him personally, I think. But, you know, I just think the combo is just a little bit too much. I don't think Privateer saw it coming or something. And, you know, when you've got... Basically, you have a war beast form of Gerlach Slaughterborn walking his way across the board. I mean, if you pull it off right, Mold can daisy chain his way through, you
1: know, straight to your caster and paste them on the same charge. Absolutely. Like I said, he, uh... He makes him all look very sad. I mean, if he didn't exist, I'd probably be a lot more happy with the model.
2: Can't he? Um, can he trample and then, uh, whack things with uh, Fury?
1: I don't know. Can he? Can does Overtake work with that?
2: Well, no. I don't mean uh, he uses Overtake movement during the trample. What I mean is, like, he could run across small base models, you know, plow them down. Like, say, if they were in a shield wall or something, maybe kill them. Plow them down, you know. Get up to something nice. Hit it kill it and get his overtake movement and goad and then walk up and maybe be by your caster with uh you know wild aggression which is again an awesome spell I love I love anything that allows free power attacks and free boosted dice and you get on you get multiple attacks it's awesome
4: yeah you can but maybe that, a little too awesome the, you know the typical strategy for him is to do it on uh, epic doom feet turn when you're getting plus three to speed to your charges so you've already got him charging at you know Speed 5, I want to say he is, plus 3, plus 3. So you're charging 11 inches plus reach, and then overtake inch 1, and then goad for 2. So you're flying across the board with this heavy war beast swinging at power 19s.
1: Yeah, that actually happened to me. I have that horrible personal experience. I was playing Gorton, and I thought I'd hang back, but unfortunately I wasn't far back enough. It was E Doom Shaper and Mulg, and he uh, popped the feet, and I still thought I was pretty safe. But he was able to use overtake from way far away to get close to uh, Gordon. Luckily, he flubbed one of his uh, his attacks. But it, it was a very close. It was almost curtains. It should have been the end for me.
3: Yeah, just because uh, you know, on on the feet turn, we're looking at uh, 13 inch of uh, threat range from Mulk by himself. 15 with Rush, and then you know, if you put any models along that path that Mulk takes. Uh, you know he'll just overtake and goat and with the amount of power he has on his club he basically needs two fury of worth uh, of attacks on a caster to kill him and that's pretty easy on, on a five fury beast you could have done a lot of other things along the way already and I think that kind of threat range is uh, what we're a little bit concerned about
1: I'm going to call it 12 point model or uh, mullet goes to 10 that's just you know call me crazy
3: Oh, I'm with
1: you there, I think, think
2: Moog is too broken, but he is really nice right now, and that's a problem.
1: That said, I don't know what y'all think. Uh, my personal feelings are that Trolls are currently the closest to perfectly balanced faction, besides a few little nitpick things.
3: Uh, yeah, I would say uh, somewhere be- between Troll and uh, Circle, but uh, yeah, we'll get to Circle a bit later. I'm, ag- I'm agreeing that uh, Trolls are in pretty good shape so far. Yeah, Circle, really, I think we're
1: covering in detail.
0: Really, the only problems I have with Trolls, we've already outlined, and Borka is a little underpowered. Outside of that, I think it's pretty good. I still have issues with Befuddle being such a game-altering spell, but overall, I think Trolls are damn solid.
1: Yeah, Befuddle, wow. that. I can, I, it, it's, it's just broken, that's all there is to it. Borka, on the other hand, when I first played him, I thought, wow... He looks awesome, but then I realized his spells were not as great on the table as they were on paper.
4: Oh, I've okay, seen Borca so, yeah. use pretty fairly well, you know, with Moshpit and such. You know, you get Moshpit on Borka himself on an assassination run, and he just puts the caster down with the first hit, and then you just wail on him with the rest of your fury, and you're fine. Eh. Yeah,
0: but getting him onto the assassination run is kind of hard in the first place. I mean, you've got Rush, and even then, it's, what, a 12-inch threat? It's not that great. Or, if I guess, yeah, 12-inch threat. It's just... Overall, I think Borka needs some work. I don't know what to do. Does Borka have reach? Help? I think so. Yes, does he, he
1: does. It's 13-inch.
0: Okay, but that's, that's still not said. that awesome. Wah, wah, wah. Yes, it is. Okay, then, let's go to the next faction. Since we're going to do a little more in-depth in depth Circle, we're going to skip them for now and jump to Scorn. Scorn, which has quickly become my favorite faction too, because I have a giant bromance going on with Xerxes right now. I mean, wow, he just changed so much and got so much better. And I admit, I love inhospitable ground on him right now.
4: Boo! But because we're not going to talk about bromance on this podcast, we're going to skip straight to Makeda. Ha <laughs> ha. No well, man. Fuck Kata. Look. We're looking at
0: Xerxes because he's awesome. He's got two giant clubs and he's like butcher, but he doesn't hit as hard. But he has awesome spells. Defender's ward on Satrati is simply scary. It's brutal. It's 1422s, and you've got six of them, and they have eight wounds each, and they make people cry. And that's not but, even
3: counting Kriya's uh, animus. But look, man, I've had them at you really like an hospitable ground. To- Really?
0: It, it, it's, not a... that go- it's not that good against Hordes. I'll give it that. It's just not that good against Hordes. But when you start fighting War Machine, and they've got a whole bunch of non-Pathfinder Warjacks, it's amazingly good. I, I was not a believer, but then I just played game after game against a whole bunch of different War Machine factions, including a lot of Signar, who the Kriya screws over in range, and inhospitable ground screws up in combat, and it just works beautifully.
1: Uh, it's a 3-focus spell on a 5-fury caster, and it has a 10-inch bubble. Uh, I, I just don't... Besides that, fluff-wise, I don't think it has any place in his spell list. He is not that kind of caster.
0: You have to play with this. Just, just trust me on this. Oftentimes, okay, I'll okay. either upkeep both spells, and I'll just end it with 0-focus, but I'll be at arm 20 against ranged attacks and defense 15, and I'll be able to screen him... And he'll be able to basically stop Warjacks from hitting my centurions. Let's face it, Warjacks are the only thing that's going to be able to pretty much hurt them at that point. It's simply a great synergy that I am very thankful for. And Fury upping my uh, Titans to a power 19 before Pain Givers, and then on this Feet turn, makes them wreck anything. He's just so perfect with what I want out of a Warcaster right now. His only issue is kind of that purification screws Defender's Ward hard and kind of screws him hard because of his low fury. But he just clicks. It's so great, especially with his battle plans that you can just use them on himself so he can walk up 7 inches and
1: cast. Alright, I'll, I'll, granted, it is a Here's great spell with Centradi. With, with Centradi, Defender's Ward is, is beautiful, but uh, otherwise, eh. It, it, you know, it's alright. He, he's okay. He's good. I just don't like Inhospitable Ground.
2: You know what? The thing is, his his uh, bubble, his 10-inch bubble, when you get close in, it's a lot more flexible than you would normally expect out of a crowd of infantry because everything's moving through each other. And this is this is handy. I mean, you, with reach, you have enough room that you can position so, say, uh, Praetorians can charge through your models and hit the enemy... Jack or whatever, and then you know you can still attack them with the Satrati uh, later. It's just amazing, it's really a lot of flexibility, and it does stop warjacks. It works.
1: What but else?
4: The way I see Inhospitable Ground, too, is you realize that it, it comes off of casters like uh, Irusk, too. That the entire idea of him having the spell is you know, battle planning beforehand and using the terrain against your opponent. That's exactly what Xerxes does, he's the you know field commander of his army. If anybody is an army
1: commander, at Xerxes in this game. True. Uh, what else? What else is broken, changed, whatever, in Scorn? What What am I missing?
3: Well, uh, one model. Uh, well, a lot the thing I have, think uh, needs the most about is, uh, is the uh, Master Tormentor.
1: Well, I think the both Def fourteen. The Def fourteen. Uh, P Morgul
0: and the Solo need work. Well, at least needed work. I'm fine with the uh, pain giver, blood runner, mass tormentor right now. I think defense 14 was really all he needed, in that now, if you're mat 7, you can hit him. He's really nasty if you let him get the charge off and vanish around, but now your average high level combat trooper, like a, a storm noun, can smack him down. I mean, if he got another slight nerf, like changed, vanished to completely within, or lowered his command, just something to make it a little bit weaker, I wouldn't mind that much. He's been doing great for me, but there's plenty of ways to completely negate him that I wouldn't be that that sad if he went to print right as he is.
1: What do y'all think about the current Tyrant Commander?
0: I sometimes take him. I sometimes don't. I think that's how a model should be. Uh, if he changed Reveille to the like, defense, I wouldn't. I think that'd be a perfectly decent change, although I find it to be very useful when keeping up my nice big Citrati wall against Earthquakes. I honestly think that if you're getting into a 50-point game, you're going to take him, because a Fearless Aura and his battle plans are useful. At 35, it really depends on your army. If you're running bunch of Citrati, a good idea if you're not you can leave him at home i he's just where he should be he's a decent beat stick on himself and provides all sorts of army support
3: yeah at that point i think it, it compares very favorably with uh fellcaller being uh, an optional support piece
0: really i think the model that needs to be looked at right now is p Morgul. he just doesn't do much he's like wants to be a beast caster And he also kind of wants to be an
4: assassin, but he's no good at either of them. It's kind of a shame. I mean, you look at the way that P. Morgul's written it, and you think that, you know, oh yeah, he's going to get into melee and he's going to eat casters alive. And then you realize that even loaded up on Fury, and even with his feet, and even with this and that and the other thing, he's really going to only do maybe half damage on even the softest casters. And then he just gets eaten the turn after because he hasn't got anything to defend himself with. So... You know, and then you look at the stats on him. I mean, he has a fairly you know, high number of uh, beast points. I think he's running around like 5 or 7 or something ridiculous. And then he has 5 Fury. So you get a bunch of beasts you get to run around with, but no Fury to manage them.
1: Yeah, I have actually have very little experience with him. But one last thing. We, we'll, we'll go right back to to Morgul. One last thing about the Tyrant Commander. I'm just going to put it out there. I really want Reveille to go to set defense. I find him much more useful and universally uh, beneficial.
2: Hey, you know what? I like that change too because for some reason, every time I'm playing a scoring player, I go to charge him, and I'm like, you have set defense, right? And he's like, no, I don't have that. I never I, I never."
1: Exactly.
2: I like, what the fuck? You've got pikemen and they don't have set defense? Come on, guys. These are like these are Diadochi They're- pikemen. These are Seleucids. They need to have set defense.
0: Pretty much. But back to um, uh, everyone's favorite wannabe beast caster. I think the big problem right now is that scorn Beasts are moderately fury efficient, thanks to Paingivers giving them you know free charges, but they still need something else to make him decent, because right now, Abuse is kind of meh, because just having to cast it all the time your beasts to do nothing else. Admonition is an amazing spell, but you generally want to keep it on him so he doesn't get splat. And Torment, while great, is still working off his Fury 5. Honestly, I'm a big supporter of giving him insight. Just because it works, it's fluffy, he's getting his beasts angry so they're attacking stuff. And it's not
4: that overpowered, since he's only got a 10-inch control range. Let's be fair though, Mutton, I've also noticed that uh, you know your solution to a lot of things is give everybody insight. Hey, I just wanted it on
0: Chromac as well, but I think he's fine right now, but we'll get into that later. I don't know, the thing about Insight is it's a generic enough spell name that I think you can spread it around, and it's got great damage potential. Honestly, I think on Veil, which we'll get into later, it should be nerfed to Hell and Back... But that's a different topic. Right now, I just think... Absolutely. I think plus two to attack and damage rolls against models in his tiny control range would be good. It'd keep him up front fighting. It would let him make use of Overtake and his anatomical precision. I think it'd be fluffy. I think it would work well. And let's face it, it's, what, three Fury already? So he's only got two left to maybe upkeep Admonition and keep one for a transfer. I think that's perfectly good.
1: I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. This is just it can only be a minor plug if it has to be, but if if any privateer staff read this before uh, the field test is up, ho- I really hope uh the Ancestral Guardian and, and Zale get some kind of love.
0: I don't know. I I think the Ancestral Guardian right now is like mid to low tier of a 3-point solo. I mean, he doesn't compare it all well compared to like a major assassin, of course. But that's just the Mage Hunter Assassin, and we all hate her death Two points. Exactly. I I think that what needs to happen right now with Zale is Last Stand needs to only trigger when you hit a model. Or make it, basically, if if you hit an enemy model, then you get the additional die and die. Which would give it some great synergy with the models that already use it. It already works really well with Ancestral Guardians because it turns them into Weapon Masters that also give him a kovas, And I think it would fix a lot of the problems he has with his kind of silly spell list right now.
1: But a kovas can't activate the... Uh, well, I, I guess that's irrelevant. But uh, that that would... You're right, that would go a long way. What I also want, though, is I want a kovas being able to charge. And I think he needs whatever he has. Eyeless Sight, whatever variant that is on... Just, just native, and not just on his gun.
0: Yeah, that would be a good one. Just give him a base, eyeless sight. I mean, he's got that stuff in his eye already. And Kovos, either make it able to charge, or make it speed 9. Either one works.
1: That would That's a good idea. That that could be a nice go-around to it. You wouldn't have to give him a uh, any other kind of weapon to have it work off of to be able to charge.
0: Although then you have the Kovos running around behind your lines, causing abomination checks to everything in an 18-inch
1: run. Uh, I like it. Uh, as to the Ancestral Guardian, uh, who was that guy? What was his name? He had a great idea to give it some kind of a small plus-one bonus to attack rolls and damage rolls, uh, make it more of a you know uh, uh, an ancestor instead of just a pure bead stick, because right now he's not really doing much, and it'd be great if he could uh, spend a, a Fury or a Soul whatever to uh to do something like that to a unit,
0: perhaps make it a special action so he's not actually beat sticking that turn. Although one of the ideas I've seen bandied yeah special action is, that works for
1: me is uh, a veteran
0: leader immortals. Let them buff each other around since it's basically a giant immortal and it's it's getting powered up from the Praetorians and then it's helping the immortals and it makes a nice synergy and makes you want to take immortals and their sweet sculpts again.
1: That would that would definitely help a lot with me wanting to field it. Yeah, that would help. What except, would Inspiration uh, for um, Okay, any to... other
0: comments on... Uh, inst- no, just Veteran uh, Leader on, on, veteran leader on is unit. Leader plus two. It's plus two to attack rolls if you have it in your line of sight. And it's a
4: medium hey guys, base, guys, so it's going to be I'm like going to cut this section here. Shut up. Mutton, shut up. I'm going to Yeah, I'm going to cut this section real fast. Just to let you guys know, I'm going to edit that part. Um, Steven, just... Talk a little louder. You're just kind of falling underneath this, and not getting heard. So just you know, if you're gonna step on somebody, flat step on their face and go.
0: Yeah.
4: Okay. Right, any so other comment
0: uh, on the ancestral guardian? You're here? talking
2: about the uh, ancestral guardian, man. He does. He he could use some kind of buffing mechanism for units. That would be nice. I don't know what to do with them. I'm I'm I don't like them right now. I'm not really playing a lot of Scorn, but. One thing I have noticed from playing a little bit of it is I don't like the anime. It seems like scoring anime work on Tuesdays, but only on Tuesdays that you're wearing tennis shoes. If you're wearing boots, they're not going to work. You know, they're so <laughs> conditional. They just don't make any sense. Drop the stupid ones. Let's get some decent things in there. Rush was brilliant. I love it. I mean... I play trolls. I play trolls because their animi work. You know, I bounce things off of my impaler and my axer. You don't know how... It's its amazing. It's like, okay, I need, I need two inches to uh, use my impaler to shoot something. Well, I could far strike it. I could put two fury on it. But then I can only boost an attack or a damage roll. Or I could activate my axer. And my axer can rush the impaler. The impaler now can walk two more inches before he throws his giant spear. Now, see, that's amazing. Things like that work well. I can give out plus three strength or plus two to damage rolls just left and right. These are brilliant, brilliant things. This is synergy. This is how it's supposed to work. But Scorn, it doesn't work like that. Fix this. I don't know what to do, but it needs to be done.
0: Okay, right now, I think Scorn has three, no, four amazing animuses. You've got the Krea with Paralytic Aura, which is just great. Minus two defense within two inches and plus two defense and armed against range attack. That just works. It's great. I love it in my Xerxes Brick. Even in battles where I don't face many range attacks, the defense debuff and its gun come in handy. Rush, as said before, is amazing. It basically makes up for the Pain-Giver Nerf. I love it. Keep it. Then you've got Mullet Karn, with Fate Walker, which is great on Warlocks and great on him, because of all the crazy shenanigans, including ending something like ten inches away from a target you charged thanks to sidestepping it. Also good. And then you've got of course on the Cyclops brute, you've got safeguard, no KD unless slams along with shield guard. Where do I sign up? The problem really is comes from the Rhinodon having a muck, which is just a crazy or Rhinodong has subdue which just doesn't really do much unless you're playing a scenario then you've and scenarios let's face it are poorly balanced as is from just looking at steamroller 4 they don't really work with the majority of casters and so I'm just gonna write them off here and then you've got Muck, which is just a crappy situational overtake that even with Berserk doesn't work very well to do the one-inch move and then you're just looking at the Drake you've got bushwhack for two fury on a single model. Scorn doesn't really have any single models that are going to benefit from bushwhack. I don't like the idea of making a model unit, but perhaps just making it one fury and it will be a bit more situational, but right now it just doesn't work. Privateer Press needs to figure out what exactly they want the animide to do, and then just change them and stop playing musical chairs with
1: them. I miss trainwreck, I really do. Uh... The 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 newest train wreck was amazing. I think it was possibly too amazing.
0: It was more die dice on collateral damage rolls at that. I mean, I'm already hitting them with something like a power 14 thanks to pain givers and then I get an extra die. That's killing everything on the collateral. It's a little bit insane.
1: Well, Titans I still think Titans need some help. That's that's just my opinion. I don't think they're where they need to be at not, not exactly where they need to be, especially with that crappy leadership on the bronze back. Let me put it this way: the the bronze back and the cannoneer are not where I think they need to be. I think the cannoneer sucks, and I think the bronze back is mediocre. The cannoneer is one of those models that I personally
0: dislike, but I see a lot of people use to great effect and defend it. So I'm not going to attack it on that front. The bronze back right now is just a more expensive gladiator that you get berserk. And speed five on, I guess it's really not worth it to me. I think it needs a buff. If it got something like train wreck or just a straight overtake, I guess it might work. And the rhinodon, I don't. I thought mat six would fix it, but it still doesn't really do anything that well and dies easily. Because let's face it, the back arm, back arc arm, doesn't come into play that much. It allows him to shrug off free strikes more easily. But Arm 20 just isn't that good when you've got a smaller, beast size damage grid.
1: I show his butt to the enemy army, but that's just me. Yeah, but then
0: you're not being able to charge them is the problem. And I like being able to charge him to get it stuck in and thresher a bunch of people. Yeah, exactly.
4: And see, the big problem I see with the Rhinodon right now is, A, it's part of the recipe for a really obnoxious combo. you know of all things, ricocheting into the bronze back with its berserk, you know, toss a muck on the bronze back and have him just march through your opponent's infantry. And then, you know, you look at the rider on itself and it just doesn't do a whole lot on its own besides walk backwards and die. Well, and it kind of produces its, you know, animus and, yeah. So if all you're doing is taking a Warbeast for its animus, you might as well be taking a Wold Warden or something. But, as is right now, the Rhinodon just needs some help to go back to being the beat stick it used to be. I mean, it used to be able to just wreck face, and now it just seems really just meh.
1: I'm actually happy with uh, the uh, Pain Giver change, at least. A lot of people don't like it because they got nerfed, and they don't do as much, but I kind of think of the Pain Givers now as what the Choir of Menoth should be. They're really good if you take B slash Jacks, but uh, they're not auto-includes, and I think yeah, they're I- right where they need to be. I think,
0: uh, actually, Mr. Soul said it, that it gives them the design space, and I think that's great. It allows for stuff like Rush. I'm happy that they're not going to go back, and I think that they work as is. Really, the only other uh, two models I want... The only other model I wanted to talk about, and we're just going to do a brief chat, is the Venators, which are 5'9", for some reason, while having range 12 pound. Pal- Venators, tenorgonis. you heathen. Whatever. I was never hooked on Phonics. So But really, I, they just... They're an odd price. They've got a crappy situational special rule that really only comes into play, getting them a small bonus if they do a massive CRA or against trolls. They just aren't very good right now, and I don't know what Privateer Press is looking for them to do.
1: Uh, you know, I really liked them until. It's kind of like I liked the, uh, the current Mullick until I saw the current Mulg, and I just felt like I was missing something. I like the Revenators. The until I saw what the bushwhackers were, and I saw how much they cost, and then I was a little bit depressed. I think something needs to be done with them, and it would also be kind of cool if the, uh, the Catapult got the same ability, plus one, plus two, for the base size. That would that would put it right where it needs to be.
0: But overall, I think Scorn is pretty much where they need to be. They've got a couple lemons, and maybe a little bit overpowered when you look at Vo- Void Lord, and whatnot. But over, I think they're really—they just need fine-tuning right now. They need to stop playing musical chairs with the animuses, figure out where they want them to be, and just mess with the units and solos a little bit. But overall, I'm loving how they play. But of course, now, Legion. Now, the first thing I'm going to admit here bum, is bum, that bum. none of us are devoted Legion players. So I'm just putting a call out there. If any Legion players would like to come on the show and defend their faction, just talk about it, you're welcome. Well, this is pretty much going to be a ranting section for us, and I'm talking about a couple models that suck and we think need overpowered. First on the list, Ethags. Oh, boy. Let me just say this. Ethags is a man that makes Rake Spam not only viable, but very scary. I've seen him go forward and have a nice big setup, trying get his even try and get his rakes pile up on a Blood of Kings Vlad, only for Typhon under Manifest Destiny, to accidentally kill him with a bunch of sprays. He the man is simply ridiculous. He's got scourge for knocking down casters, wings, a large tough base, and access to some of the best beasts in the game. This man needs a nerf
1: nuke. You know, uh, for all the complaining about Legion beasts, it's, it's their thing, I know. I'm actually not upset about any of the beasts. It's just that about two or three of the casters overpower them to the beyondness of amazing. I completely agree.
0: I think right now the problem with Legion is that you've got two and a half, because I only really believe Saren is overpowered against Hordes due to Equilibrium. Two and a half casters that are just so what far about, above uh, the power curve for the rest lonely? that it ruins it. I think you've got some like Abby and the Lilith who are very well powered and just where a caster should be. But then you've got Vale Ethags and Saren, which just—they're the reason you can't have nice things.
1: Ugh, Vale. Vale has insight yeah,
0: in uh... a 16-inch control range, and she also has leash. Dear Lord, it's just... Wow. And she can arc Rampager around. You know, I really think that we
4: can just kind of sum Legion up into one section just by looking purely at their casters. I mean, you look at, you know, the handful of Lillas and the Lillas are kind of nice, and Abby's kind of nice, but then you look at Epic Thags and and Veil, and you think, well, gee, they got all the toys and nobody else did. And then Privateer decided, okay, that's balanced, because we have, you know, two... Casters that are really awesome, and the rest are kind of blah. It averages out in the end, of course. How could we not have seen it?
3: Yeah, the uh, the the gradient of that slope is just, uh, you know, it screws up all the uh, caster at the bottom, Ryaz, the things like that. Poor
0: Ryaz, I don't even know what she's supposed to be right now.
4: Yeah, that's... it's kind of like Epic Gorshade Syndrome. You know, everybody else got to do a bunch of cool stuff, and then he got forgotten about and left the wayside but he can make Poor- more bane
0: thralls if one happens to kill a living model while in his control range more bane thralls
1: oh please just just don't talk about epic gore shade save it till <laughs> i can play save it till i can play souls at temple Khan and throw him a an igor e shade model and say defend yourself defend your honor i, I wouldn't throw the motto. it's kind of pointy and you don't want to accidentally kill him before the match I meant hand. I meant, I meant hand gently, too, with reverence and respect. Respect, Mr. Souls. And not stab him, of course. But let's talk about quickly go over the Legion models that we actually think need help. I'm
0: going to start with the Ogren. The poor, misbegotten Ogren. Hey, guys, the uh, warmongers aren't very good, but the war spears are even worse. Let's make the warmongers cost more. Great decision.
3: Well, they're. Uh... Pretty much sizing up to a uh, Democorp right now as uh, a horrible medium-sized unit. Well, Legion. I think the
4: uh, I think the similarity between them and Democorp is actually pretty apt because you have the Democorp and the Wars that do, you know, pretty much the same job except Wars do it better, and you have the War Spears and the uh, Warmongers, and they're the same price, but one does the job better still so there's really no reason to take one over the other and even then
0: the warmongers don't even do the job well at that they're priced the same as archurai and get one less man in exchange for what berserk uh
1: i think we can all agree in general uh well there, there's a few things uh legionnaires insanely amazing for their points uh the forsaken i think an easy fix is just give it like a a plus two or a plus three damage instead of a whole die, uh, because it's kind of overpowered right now. But other than that, I think we can all agree that uh, Legion Infantry in general needs a big boost. I'd like to see uh, more Infantry support and just just better everything to encourage you to take more more Troopers over the Amazing Beasts. Well, I feel that's kind of the point of Legion
0: right now, is that it's the Beast faction, and infantry are just their support. I actually probably would have played Legion if they had more infantry support warlocks, but that's not really their theme. I think some of them need some help, like the warmongers and the poor spawning vessel, but really, Legion needs to be rebalanced in terms of warcasters. You've got maybe three that are well-balanced, three that are not very well-balanced, and then two that just kind of suck and everyone just needs to be moved toward the middle a little bit more, and that'll be, allow you to fix the beast, open up some design space, so you don't have to balance everything around Manifest Destiny or Insight.
1: So maybe you'll, you're saying maybe we'll see more infantry as we tune the casters to you know where beast spam isn't an auto-include.
0: Well, I think overall Legion is always going to be Something like 75% beast and beast support, and then the rest is maybe some infantry as a screen or as a striking force, like with raptors or archers. And I think that's perfectly themey with them, and I think I guess that's how they want the faction to be. I just think once the war casters get rebalanced, so that you don't only take infantry with the worst casters, and that you have some reason to take someone other than Veo, vale, Ethags, or Saren, I think then Legion will be in the right spot.
1: As long as they eventually get a caster that uh, somehow buffs infantry and makes it a viable choice to take a, not purely infantry, but, you know, more infantry heavy list, I think I think that'd be uh, a really good thing. Besides, you know, like, E-Lilith and all the archers. I think just a solid infantry list that could actually win a game or two. That, that'd be pretty nice.
0: Okay, then. Any last thoughts on Legion before we move into
3: a more in-depth on Circle?
1: Nothing I can think of. Oh yeah, are we uh, are we doing minions
3: before Circle? Well I oh, think uh,
0: minions. Okay. Let's do Minions then. Minions, uh Minion War Warcasters. Let's just start with those. I think Brun and Lug have there one are of the no minion in the game. Lesser Warcasters. <laughs> Fine. I think Lug Although is, one is the best be models. Although there is gonna be some
1: I'm really excited about the new packs. Pharaoh Army, Pharaoh Army, Pharaoh, 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 Pharaoh Army, please Gator, Gator, Gator. No, Do you, do you find it funny that, like, isn't it, isn't it funny how, like, with whatever fantasy model comes out, like, the alligators have to have, like, an alligator beast, or the, the, the pig dude has to have a, or, or the pig dude has to have, like, a giant pig monster, and, uh, you know, I'm sure if they get cavalry, they'll be riding giant pigs. Why can't they just have horses?
0: I think it'll be better in that you're going to have, like, Epic Brun, and he's going to have a second... Uh, animal to choose from a second beast, and it's going to be a unicorn just to screw with everyone. Very vicious, <laughs>
1: unicorn, but a unicorn nonetheless. You're going to have Gator Man with like uh, aquatic Gator mounts or something. Velociraptor hey, you
2: mispronounced mount. uh you mispronounced Gator Man. It's not Gator Man, it's Gator Man.
1: Uh, yeah, okay, man, okay. Okay, so actually yeah, talking about the
0: Lesser Warlocks for one moment, let's talk about Brun and Lug. I think that the only thing holding these guys back is the limited control range, completely and utterly screwing over their threat range.
4: And I think that's kind of a generic problem too. I mean, you compare the uh, all the minion lesser warlocks; they have ridiculously small control areas, which means their beasts have to be, you know, within short leash range, which makes them really, really hard to use. I mean, you could just as easily double their, you know. Double their fury stat, give them the control range. Even at ten inches on a five fury caster, you know a ten inch control radius is just fine for Brunn and Lug, for Dahlia and Scareth and you know all the minion casters. I think that'd be fine. I but they're think right so now, expensive.
0: I think you could take them. Like I see myself, if I had to say aggressive, on Br- on Lug, in order to give me a free charge when he's outside of the control range. I could see myself taking him with a beast-like caster like Grim. Elsewise, you're forced to either be using him with Circle and Blackclads, and Circle generally doesn't like to use minion war beasts because they want to use all theirs, or you're forced to be taking Linus Arisell with um, for the free charge. Since right now he's just really hard to set up flank, since they're the only minion. They're the only pair in which it's pretty much just as hard to kill the- war- the warcaster as it is to kill the beast because of life bond and stonehold, but I think just giving them giving the bear aggressive would solve so many of their problems and basically make them perfect for their cost. What would solve uh, Rorsch and brine? I think they're pretty close. I think right now I, I, giving life bond to everyone or just some way to prevent them from picking off the minion warlock before going after the beast would just, just make them so much better. I don't know exactly how you would want to do it. Perhaps make Pig Pen Grant cover, I guess. But right now, just like, okay, if you've got a big angry hog coming down at you, shoot the little hog behind the man, you're good.
1: It's just, they're so expensive points-wise, and when you could be taking uh, beasts or or models from your own faction that, that work off your spells and synergy and all that, you know, they better be darn good to take them for that many points, that's what I'm thinking.
0: I mean, I see it as well if you want an extra nice big beat stick and an army where the caster doesn't support them. As as I brought with Grimm earlier, Grimm runs fairly beast light. You run a couple troll lights on him, and then you could have a nice flanking force of Brun and Lug or Rorsch and Brine, which is nice.
3: Yeah, I think the problem with uh, the minion warcasters is that uh, most faction have better options in the same point range, such that they wouldn't uh, wouldn't want to use these over their own faction models with their own faction synergies and feats and things like that. But uh, to make them better would uh, open up a different can of worms. So their their balance niche is actually like a knife's edge. It's, it's very narrow.
0: So, wrapping up minion warlocks, they either tend to have the problem in Brun and Lug, having a small control range, or Rorsch and Brian, Delilah and Scarth or wrong eye snap Snapjaw in that it just can pretty easily take out the minion warlock and the beast just goes away. Now, moving on to Circle, we're just going to give a nice overview of the main th- problems in there before going into our in-depths of our special Circle topic, dealing with High Arm. First on the list is Balder, a man who absolutely dominated scenarios in Mark I, but feels like he might need some help in Mark II. My main problem here is two is threefold his feet earth's blessing and stoneskin stoneskin's main problem is that you're giving up circle's biggest strengths defense and speed in exchange for a small arm and strength buff it just doesn't feel right to me
3: well the yeah. uh, the way i see uh, stoneskin being used is uh, either to protect a unit from uh, blast damage before engagement and then the other way it would be uh with War Warden's, uh doing a charge and then uh, forcing that before you uh, start hitting things. Those are currently the main things that I've seen it being used uh, to good effect. Yeah, really right now
0: I see either put it on blood trackers for a small pow boost on their range attacks or if World Wardens Geomancy it before a charge. And it feels like the spell just basically minus might to well just say Balder. Wardens may force for plus two arm and strength or something like that. I've actually one of my favorite ideas I've seen bandied around, combined with Earth's Blessing, which is kind of use, not that useful in Circled because it only grants Pathfinder and Steady, is to make them each make Earth's Blessing a straight plus two defense and cannot or arm and cannot be knocked down well make stone skin just plus two strength and perhaps some other small bonus or simply make I think giving him solid ground is a nice fluffy choice that works with him and is basically granting Earth's blessing minus the pathfinder to his entire control range I think that's great I think it's fluffy and I don't think it's broken on him
4: well personally I'd like to see Balder go away from this you know teleporter out of the trees assassination run spell that he got out of nowhere it really doesn't feel anything like Balder. And send him back to his old days. Would of, you say it's you know, dash. And such?
0: I mean, he, yeah, his new assassination run just feels kind of silly. I mean, he had it in Mark 1, but he didn't have reach, and you couldn't put the rapid growth on top of model, so it was a lot more limiting. I mean, right now you're effectively doing it with 4 Fury, but you can Geomancy Stone skin on him for the assassination run. But it, it just, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan, despite Pima, to get crazy assassination threats out of it. I think he should stay more of a support caster that uses Forest Walker to either engage models on the side or get out of combat. I just I don't really like it as the idea of Assassination Run. I always felt like he should be more of a denial and support caster, which is why I advocate solid ground or make, basically getting rid of the bad sides of Stoneskin.
3: I don't know. Uh, balancing side asides, um, I think he's a very solid caster at the moment, though.
0: I think yeah. he's solid, but not competitive right now mostly because of his feet, which looks good on paper because it's rough terrain-removing Pathfinder, but then you realize that Legion, which already ignores all of Circle's tricks, also ignores that one with Wings. Grix ignores it with Ghostly and Incorporal, and it's just to the point in which it's not that useful as a feat at all against two factions. I mean, cover is nice, and it gives you something against a ranged army, which I love, but it really
4: should just be a flat halving movement
0: instead of doing what it does now.
4: And you kind of notice a certain balancing problem they're having in the field test, is when they wrote the field test models and their rules and stuff, it almost feels like they completely forgot about the existence of War Machine when they did it, and said okay, so we'll give Baldur a feat that nerfs War Machine. Well, it, that nerfs Circle and nerfs you know, Scorn to a certain degree, because occasionally you get Pathfinder on certain things, but then they you know, have Legion, and Legion's like, oh yeah, I still ignore everybody's crap, which is nothing new, so Circle should be prepared for it, I guess. But you look at all the stuff that there's just a million ways to get around a feat. And I've always seen feats as being that game breaking, game deciding thing. You know, whoever's feet turn is better usually wins the game. And, you know, I just don't see Baldur's feet really towing
1: the line. You know, uh, I have one i don't know much about Balder but i do have one input uh legion really doesn't have that many wings nowadays if you've noticed uh what is it angelius um Sarah no not Sarah. yeah seraph and the little E-thags. lesser war beast harrier Ethags, that's it that's the only wings and it's really on lesser taken models uh Murphy's law stages that whenever you run balder you will run against saren and dual ha-
0: angels that's just a rule of gaming, and you've got a balance for it. <laughs> Overall, though, I think Baldur is solid. He needs a couple buffs to really make him first-tier tor- tournament. And I think one of the big things right now is you have to realize that Circle is the king of weak feats. I have to, like, Look at Mosar. His doesn't do anything against Kador, which they're facing Old Witch, at all. You've got Chromak, which is basically you can cut for seven more, which isn't really that useful unless they leave their caster nice and within lapping range of him. But overall, I think Balder just needs a little bit of a buff and that we can keep telling scenarios to go
1: fuck themselves.
0: Moving on, let's talk about Morvana. Mrs., if you're running undead models, I might as well just cry and leave the game now.
1: Would the easy fix be to just make it undead as well? Because we've talked about before... uh. Too many things in this game, depending on living models, but would you say that she just needs them to the point of making it undead as well to balance her out? I think Morvana kind of
0: comes from two main points of conflict, in that both she requires... She only has one attack spell, it costs four fury, and requires an undead model, a a living model, to be anything more than a simple POW-13. And then she's also... That, along with her feet... They both rely on living models and they re- remove from play on a box which denies her harvest fury really right now she either needs a complete revamp of harvest in order to uh, get her much more fury after her maintenance phase all the soul tokens or she needs everything harvest to simply work on a box
1: just uh just make it uh, affect undead models too you know uh, they're halfway to being compost anyway i'm sure that's healthy for her trees well,
4: part of the problem Marvana has too, especially when you look at how much uh, influence it puts on the reliance on living models for. Her. I mean, Warjack swarms, construct swarms, undead swarms, just completely hose her. Is her reliance on Ravagers? Ravagers without living models are, you know, single model killing. You know, it, they hit a speed bump. You hit Mechanothralls with Ravagers, you're killing the same number of mechanical as you have for avengers and then they get swamped so uh, as much as she relies on them with I think that's a
0: problem with circle as a whole right now circle is just oh you have living models we can do all sorts of fun stuff oh wait you brought undead or constructs well I'm just going to pack up my things and go home now and maybe maybe I'll get a two handed throw in but you'll just shake it off and I'll cry to myself a little bit as none of my fun stuff works
1: uh, yeah. even as a cricks player you know I don't think that's fun I want to I want competition. Yeah, you're going to run into some. Every list is going to have lists that completely hose it. That's just the way it is. But as a whole, like I would be totally okay with more things affecting undead. Honestly, because uh, it's it's just not fun when you auto win like that.
0: I kind of feel like half of it was like, oh, circle gets circle gets druids with counter magic. That should counter cricks good but then you come across the terminus undead swarm which i think he's going to be fairly common now and there's oh, oftentimes yeah. no point in playing but since we actually have a schedule to keep on let's talk about e E-Kr- kruger next the most bland war cast warlock in all of circle this man just needs help to be fine He's got basically Gallows, which is so unreliable that, I mean, I guess you want to bring a bunch of Old Wardens so you can pull stuff around. But at that point, I'd rather have Druids to be able to push as well. He's got Stormwall, which is minus 5 range while in his control. So most stuff that you want to drop range on, like, say, Long Gunners, it doesn't affect much. I mean, I guess it's nice against winter guard or Zealots or Digmies, but it's just not that good. And then he's got Voice of Thunder, which grants him terror and inspiration. Two things that just be on his card as is. And finally you come up with a feat that's an auto-push and minus speed. Whoop-de-doo. It's, I guess, kind of good in scenario play, but fuck scenarios. He just doesn't really he just do needs... anything. He's got an ineffective movement buff in Windblown, which is basically an inch for an inch. Yeah. That's Stormwall, he... does that work on sprays?
3: Uh, No, it doesn't.
0: Nope. Nothing that reduces range works on sprays. So yeah, it doesn't really work on Winterguard then either. Yep, all that, he needs...
1: Pretty useless. All he needs is just... I mean, I think... I don't know what y'all think, but I think all he needs is just some tweaks to what he currently has to make him a lot better, like to the feet and to a couple spells.
0: I think just giving him base terror and inspiration, making Stormwall an upkeep, I guess changing gallows to something that allows you to push or pull something like maybe three plus d3 something more solid and I don't know making wind blown one of the best things I've heard is make it like telekinesis but make it a two inch push in any direction that'd be kind of that'd be fun it'd be useful you could spam it a bit although it still wouldn't be that effective but it, most of all it would make him fun. Oh, and make his uh, feet a maybe push two inches, or maybe pushed or pulled two inches. And right now, uh, there's often times like, hmm, feeding would be nice, but you know it would push everybody out of my threat range, which kind of sucks. That the feed is actively working to screw me over.
1: Yeah, the, it, it just it would take a couple things, but nothing too big. It, well, most of the things in this game that need work just need tiny little pruning, snips. That's all it needs. Uh, what's next?
0: Uh, the Feral Warp Wolf, which basically is the overall problem with Circle and dealing with High Arm, or notably the Pea Butcher and Three Juggernaut list. How does Circle deal with
1: that? Uh, you know, I told you earlier, my, uh, people complain about the Warp Wolf and other things, like the Black Clad, being really broken, and you know, you call it the Warp, what do you call it? The Warp Wolf Bullet? I can't remember, it's something like that, but... The uh, The Feral it, Cannon. A... The Feral Cannon, that's right. Uh, It's very powerful, and it does win almost all the Circle games I've seen. Oh, it needs to be nerfed, nerf it. But it's the only real win strategy Circle has that's really effective. And uh, until you make the rest of the faction, you know, more, give give it something, it needs to stay.
0: I think part of the problem right now is that, okay, so if you've got a Warp Wolf, and if you don't have forced evolution on it from Ikaya or Agorax, the most you're hitting is at power 17. And yes, you can boost those or by attacks, but power 17s aren't dropping juggernauts. It, once you face a nice big wall of heavy armor, it's just not going to be that effective. I guess if you, you basically, then every list, you're pigeonholed. Karchev into laughs taking... at you. Exactly. You're pigeonholed into taking both a Gorax and a Warp Wolf, which is pushing it up to 13 points of auto include, which is even worse than Menoth at this point in terms of support. I mean, the, then you're okay, you're hitting at power 19 and mat 9, which is great, but it's a one-way ticket because then you're frenzying and not doing much of anything next turn due to it. It's just not very good. Honestly, I wouldn't really mind the Feral Warp Wolf being toned down as long as they bumped the rest of our heavies up. Just gave us some way to exactly. the damage. Make the Gnarl Horn better, make the Shadowhorn something other than trying to pitch people, which it isn't even very good at. But right now, the only Circle units that can damage armor are Ravagers, and those are still only hitting at 15 and really expensive for it. I think your circle basically either relies on your opponent putting an upkeep on their warjack or letting you s- somehow whale on it with a whole bunch of different models. It's just not very efficient regardless of any way you look at it, especially with shake off now destroying the main Mark One strategy of throws or slams.
1: I've been thinking about how to <clears throat> I've been thinking about how to best, you know, what to do to fix that problem with the high arm. And I was thinking about World Wardens, but uh, they already have so many good things going for them, I think that put them over the top. What I'm thinking is, if anything gets a power boost to how hard it hits, maybe the uh, Gnarlhorn is the best candidate for just becoming a super buff, high power hitter. I'm not sure. I I really don't know what to do about that problem, but it's definitely a problem.
4: You know, as far as armor control goes, I see a big question mark on the future after uh, everybody kind of dug through the uh, PDF for the hordes uh, field test rules and such and they saw the uh, entry for the warpool warrior wow that's a mouthful but I imagine that potentially in the future <laughs> with the new uh, codex and such uh, the new codex the new force book that hordes will be getting for circle in the future in this upcoming watch timeline, your mouth
1: been. this isn't that
4: game yeah as soon as that force book comes out then potentially Circle could be getting a decent high-power anti-armor uh, beast. But as is right now, a power 17 is only a step above a Slayer. And if you're taking the only force of you know major strength that you have in your faction in a power 17 after buffs, then there's definitely a power you know, gap there. Circles known for their really long ranges of, you know, threats and such, like the Gnarlhorn flying from one side of a mosh pit to the other and slamming you out of it, and then following up and eating your caster. That's really disgusting. I'm really actually kind of impressed by the Gnarlhorn as is, just because of the enormous, uh, you know, threat range it has on it with Grand Slam and so forth. But you can't really rely on that... You know, when comparing to you know the standard, we're basing high, heavy armor on the butcher and three jack, uh, three jugs.
3: Well yeah, the uh, the other side to look at it is that you know trading off uh, heavy hitting for being the most accurate faction, you have uh, actively two units that can uh, achieve mat eleven on a charge, and I think that says something by itself because if you, th- you think of models, you know, non warcaster models being defense fifteen. That's on the top end, and these models from Circle on a charge hits them on the four. That basically negates the entire defense us uh, attribute. So you know, having that in a faction very reliably means you know something else I have to give.
0: I think I've always felt that Circle could be best summed up in Mark II right now is that they will hug you really, really accurately.
1: Oh yeah, I absolutely agree <laughs> on that sentiment. <laughs> They will touch you within an inch of your life.
0: Okay then, now that we've gotten all that circle out of the way, we want to go back and talk about our favorite stuff, War Machine and the new jacks. All I can say is they took the Cyclone, and privateer Press finally got over their fear of chain guns and made it awesome.
3: (laughs)
4: We're using spoiler stats. We're assuming that the uh, stats for the basic setup is going to be based off the uh, Defender, so we just work off that. And it works fine, I suppose. But uh, from what I've seen in Vassal, it's actually bringing Cray back. I've been seeing Cray taking a whole lot just to take a Cyclone or two. and Which is yeah, always a good thing. Well, yeah, breathing new life
1: into a caster that didn't have a whole lot of life in it. Yeah, that's great. Not to mention his uh, favorite lightjack, the Sentinel, giving him shield guard now.
0: Yay, I think any reason to take Cray is awesome. We'll see if the cyclone. The cyclone is brutally awesome. It's just I love the fact that the chain guns are good. They're range ten, pow twelve. Thank God. The dual covering fire is simply awesome. I'm a, really afraid that it might be too awesome in terms of shutting down infantry. I hope that Privater Press has playtested the crap out of it. But right now I'm just scared. I don't want to call anything overpowered until I've had a nice bit of play experience with or against it. But it's it's just great. I love it. It's the clear winner of all the jacks.
1: Absolutely. Uh, it's already been pointed out in the forums that you take two and you are hosing unbuffed inter- infantry, single wound infantry, something awful. Uh, take them with long gunners and it's over. You are not getting through that wall. Then they run
0: Cetrati or in 4 or Jax and whatnot and just kind of laugh at you. But the point stands. It's really nasty. I'm afraid it might be too good, but I need to play with it first. I haven't played with it enough yet, but it's so sweet with pretty much everyone right now.
1: How many points is it again? Uh, I believe nine it's points, nine points. Same as the Defender. As defender. Huh.
0: Wow. The next best yeah. one I think that's come out is the uh, Templar. It's fairly standard it's just a speed four reach chain weapon heavy with a nice big shield for arm 21 but the real kicker is beatback i love that rule so very much because it allows you to just bounce through infantry onto a target you want effectively extending your threat range if you can just bounce off them it's a great rule it works really well with the hammersmith right now and with a with a menite heavy that's basically going to be mat eight and pound nineteen, that's
4: just scary. You know, looking at the Templar right now, it's something that really worries me. With all the other you know shenanigans that Menoth already has with the denial loop, does Menoth really need another power twenty, uh, another armor twenty one jack to sit in their shield wall? I mean. I can see the Avatar walking around with a couple of these guys with a choir marching behind them and a couple of vassals And all of a sudden, the, the denial jack wall just got worse because you aren't even going to be able to crack that armor very fast. It's like the old, you know, Darius Centurion wall all over again, except now it has beat back.
1: Yeah, and uh, also, you know, it says, it's kind of a way of saying, screw Cador, you know, screw you guys. We have the highest base arm jack out of the you know, basic chassis, that's kind of sad. Yeah, that well, and the uh, of Signa... it is only of Signal... base 19. It is only base 19,
0: and once you kill the shield, thank God it goes away. But right now, yeah, that scares me. You put one of those up with, say, Defender's Award on it, and you're up to Arm 23, I mean, it's not quite as scary as, I like, guess, a Centurion. But a Centurion's also more expensive and crappier because of no choir.
3: Right, uh, which is what I was just about to say. You know, that thing compares the crap out of a Centurion, which is one point more. Without the uh, the choir support, and uh, yeah, and then you got in it It's just so in... much more durable.
4: Well, moving straight along, then you will get to the corruptor, who kind of really feels like a uh, gimmick jack. I'm really not. He's weird. Pure gimmick. What to do with him?
0: He's really cool. I mean, I feel like if you have a spray such as Venom, he could be quite useful, but. I'm just, it's just one of those things, you've got to play game after game until you finally, I don't know how to really correctly cost him. No, He's another no, model. look,
1: Mutton, it's POW 10 for Venom. You're not going to care either way if you're immune to corrosion.
0: I mean as a hitting someone, like, back of their lines and then spraying off them using the arc notice. Since Let's face it, you're never... Oh, I thought you were hand talking
1: hand about on. using the, uh, the Corruptor to line up a Venom shot.
0: Oh no! I'm just—I'm talking about the arc node shot. Because none of the other ones are useful at all. It's like, oh, it explodes and it'll AOE if you hit them—big freaking whoop on your jack—or the one that makes your warcaster heal a little bit. That doesn't matter at all. I would—the only one you're going to take it for is the arc node shot. And there's some casters which the arc node shot's going to be useful for if you've got venom. Because most of the time you're not going to be able to use, you're going to be using it to like hit the rest of the unit, like a shield wall. But with, I see it being very situational, and as it, it's going to be a gimmick, Jack. There's going to be a couple people who swear by it, but I don't really see anything that broken that can be used on it right now.
4: And see, the trick is that you know you look at Kirks, and Kirks has always been kind of tricksy. You know, there's always the idea that, oh, you're not going to see this coming, I'm going to do something really bizarre, but the corruptor is just really way too straightforward trying to be sneaky. You know, it's kind of like a a robber sending you a letter three days in advance saying he's going to rob your house. You know, oh gee, <laughs> I wonder what the corruptor's going to do. He's going to shoot one of my guys, and then they're going to try and channel a spell out of it. So what do I do? Well, I make sure that everything possible... If they good. have
1: line of sight to anything worthwhile. Well, it
4: That's part of it. And then you just make sure that you have some member of your own faction there babysitting your infantry with reach. So your shield walls are pretty much safe, because you kill one guy in the front of it, and the guy standing next to him has melee on it, so it locks down the arc node.
0: That doesn't work, because it's still considered to be an enemy model. You can just arc off it. Souls has confirmed this, in that uh, they don't engage each other, you don't take control of it, you can just channel spells from it, which is nice. But it, it's just the same thing of influence. It just means that people are going to slightly alter their line of sight and in, in melee ranges, in that it will be useful on occasion in messing up their plan, but I don't foresee it being that crazy. There, there of course, are going to be some great times which you could use it for, like getting some odd angled attack vectors. But as it, it's a gimmick jack. I don't really think it's going to come up much beyond that. But I think it'll be fun to use. And
4: it's a range, what, it,
1: 10? 12. Range 12, I think. Yeah. So if you're
4: only killing one guy in the unit to get the arc node shot off, then the rest of his buddies in that unit will probably scrap you.
1: It. It's so, an 8-point jack. It is an 8-point jack. You could have two arc nodes for the same price of a maybe arc node. It's been said on the forums, and it's just, you know, add that on with the Ripjaw light jack... Uh, It just really feels like Crick's got the, oh, hey, you need a jack too, don't you? Here's, oh, this one. Yeah, it's a jack. It it got that from Privateer.
3: Yeah, here's something we came up with uh, while we were... uh, No, 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 no. I think it's something... Far
0: more malicious than that. You see, privateer Press saw all the people complain, like, Oh, woe is us, our arc nodes are expensive. So they hatched a devious, most evil plan, the kind uh-huh. of which the Grinch would scowl at. In fact, we shall give you as many arc nodes as you want, completely for free. Simply take this eight-point jack and be happy and merry. Oh, but there's a catch. It has to be a living model. It has to be in range. And then the line of sight's off that. So much fun would be... Wait. The and you have to hit it. Of yeah, and but, kill, it. Oh, oh. kill it. It's a gimmick, nothing more. Now, in terms of gimmicks, that also saw... <laughs> they said of to the Chris Decimator. players,
1: if you're going to whine, I'm going to give you something to whine about. Huh. Probably. So yeah, decimator. The decimator it's really got a feels giant like a platypus,
4: leg. Jack. <laughs> platypus. I half like it. Yeah, does it have toxic quills on the back feet and lay eggs? Well, pretty close. By a platypus, I refer to something that does a that looks like a lot of stuff, but it has no idea what it really wants to be. I mean, a platypus doesn't know if it wants to be a beaver, a duck, or a poison-spined urchin, but yeah, the they have poisonous the on the back of their feet.
0: Squid. Yeah. They're from Australia.
1: Of course they have like 50 ways to kill you. See, this is the highlight of the podcast for me. I've learned something educational. And not about <laughs> war machine. <laughs> and knowing
0: is half the battle. The other half is rolling boxcars to kill Harvey with a
4: bloat throw. But getting back to uh, the plastic uh, yeah, that, that's back. just epic. I mean, he has a gun with beatback on it, which is Kinda cool, I guess, but it seems like it defeats the purpose of his other weapon. You knock your opponent back an inch, and then you move forward an inch, so your net gain is nothing. You've gotten closer to your opponent's lines. No, no, and, no, no. You well, could you win win back also move back win an inch. Closer too. The whole idea with beat back on the gun seems like it kind of defeats the purpose of the saw. I mean, the whole idea is that you want to get closer to your opponent so you can use that sustained attack to good effect, so you can you know start ripping things apart. But if you're knocking your opponent away from you, and then moving up an inch, or moving an inch away, then somehow the gun isn't really doing a whole lot to provide you with what you need. I mean, I guess you could shoot somebody else and then follow up on that, trying to get to a different target? But then that kind of makes your jack more bi- you know, bipolar and such.
0: I don't know. I feel like the gun is kind of something to do when you're moving up the field in that if you really want to, if you see something with a 10 or 11 inch threat, you shoot it from 10 inches, push it back an inch, and you can move backward an inch if you want to. And I mean, it's power 15, so if you want to do something, make a dent in something, it's going to have a dent. The main issue with it then is that, yeah, it has a sweet melee weapon. I mean, sustained attack is really nice, especially on mat 6, so you only have to hit once. but it's got rat four, which just kind of sucks because you're having to boost to hit Signar and Jax and Helljacks, and most beasts at that. Overall, the problem is that even if you load it up with focus, you're not getting two boosted damage. You're getting a boosted to hit, boosted damage, and one f- extra non-boosted shot at all. It doesn't feel that effective against the majority of factions. Overall, I'd I'd still say it's better than the Corruptor because it has this place, and it's a little bit of a gimmick in that it's going to be I'll probably have a small fan base, probably a very devoted fan base just because it's pretty damn cool looking, despite utterly screwing up how like the No Gun works. Yeah, like the Marauder, which I still would only take take with Epic Vlad, but it just it feels like it could be useful. Yeah, but like the Marauder, it's going to be pigeonholed. And they'll probably somebody will probably figure out some awesome combo for it, but right now I just don't see it.
3: I don't know. The other, uh, the only other reason I would possibly take a, a decimator over its direct comparator, which is uh, the destroyer, would be uh, say with uh, Sorsha and uh, her uh, feat assassination. So with one focus, you can get two shots out of uh, the decimator at power 15 instead of a boosted power 14 from uh, a destroyer. That seems to me one thing that that jumps out, but uh, I'm not seeing any that is a good clear point. combo f- with uh, any other caster at the moment.
0: I do like that idea for her feet turn to going off with of that, but then you also have the fact that the destroyer is arcing fire, and generally for the points, I'll just take a mortar and drop a pow sixteen on them. But I mean, you can't boost that, but it's still that's an interesting idea. She'll have to try out. Overall, I mean, I like the idea behind the jack. It just as you said earlier, it doesn't quite fit together how I'd like. It's a little bit off. Would like you think...
1: uh, would you call it the would you call it the Danon and Bull of the Warjack world? P-
0: probably. Right now, it just much like those two. I'm not really sure if I can justify taking it, but it's a cool idea. I'll have to try it out. Get it before I make a final opinion on it. I think its future looks a lot brighter probably than the Decimator, but it's not it's no Cyclone or Templar.
4: You mean the Corruptor. I think we're forgetting somebody too. We completely, completely forgot about the dwarves. What about the Basher?
1: I was just about to mention the Basher, damn you Dylar. It's a shenanigan machine. That's all it is and it works well. But of course
0: having seen what you can do with Speed Six and Counter with an Aro horn or formerly with Train Wreck and the Gladiator I just I I can't love it as much anymore.
1: He's an awesome concept of a jack. I love him. I don't care. He he can just sit beside Durgan and be seven points for a extra point of focus every turn. I love him. Ooh, that is a good point. But then you're also spending what uh,
0: seven points for that? Well, well
1: and... he's kind of he's kind of like insurance. It's dwarfs. It and it's then, pretty uh... obvious that it's pretty obvious in that all the jacks besides maybe the cyclone. Privateer has played it really safe so far. Nothing over the top in this release.
0: Really, I feel like they kind of just fell in love with Beatback, and they're throwing on all they can with Denon and Bull, and then you've got the Templar and the Decimator. I mean, I love the rule, but I think they went a wee bit overboard.
4: Yeah, and you look at the Basher, and I was personally really disappointed when I saw his card, and I realized that the trailer hitch on the back of it was just completely for show. I was looking forward to a Dorfjack gun bunny tow truck.
3: <laughs> that would just be funny, yeah.
0: Overall though, I think of all of the recent releases we've seen, the biggest winners are the Cyclone and Harlan Vesh. Harlan Vesh is just awesome. Rat 6 modification oh, quad iron for 2 points. I love them.
3: Yep, no arguments there. Okay, all right. Go ahead, so Watts. I think uh, we're all we're all pretty agreed that uh, Harlan is is awesome for his two points, and uh, I think uh, what we're looking forward to at this moment is uh, the faction decks and uh, all the little changes that will that will be changing from uh, the the current PDF we have and the final version. So yep, we'll be uh, covering that next episode, I guess.
4: Yeah. The only thing I have to add with Harlan uh, Varsh is he's one of those models that he just. He's really hard not to take him for his point cost. He's so dirt cheap, and the horrible, nasty things that he does to Signar are just beautiful, and kind of ironic, too, considering his lineage and such.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, all in all, uh, really happy with the way things are going. Uh, I think I'm about to go celebrate by uh, making a Harbinger list, actually, and love you, Privateer Press, uh, all the good formers, and... uh, Back to you, Mutton. Or er, Watts. Sorry. Uh, I'm already done. So yeah, Mutton, finish. Yeah. Let me let me redo that. I got confused because I was reading what someone wrote on my rebuke thread. Uh, <laughs> what what was the last thing you said, Dallar? Uh, Arlen Varsh is really
4: awesome for his point cost. Blah blah.
1: Right. Well, I'm uh I'm just really happy in general about the way mk is going. Uh, I love Privateer Press. They're the best gaming company around. And I'm happy to give them my business, and I'm about to go celebrate by putting together a Harbinger list, actually. Okay,
0: guys, I'm just going to give a quick shout-out to Privateer Press for with the rebuke changes for thankfully putting the game ahead of the business and breaking their promise of this is final. In order to try and fix something, that was... Well, Pretty game-breaking and just no fun to play against. Shout-out to everybody on the forums who's we've advertised this for a couple weeks and finally getting a recorded copy out for you all to listen to while painting your models, and everybody on the f- podcast who has helped make this work, and everybody on vassal who supported us the whole way through, even when we were calling them all sorts of naughty names over the entire rebuke fiasco. Well. Thank you all. This is Mudden signing off on Out of Formation. Thank you very much.